Welcome to the 222 Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Shortridge, with his zany sister, Jen. Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome back, listeners. And just before we get started, I want to remind everybody to like and subscribe on this video because we have a wonderful, amazing, interesting subject and guest for you today. Mm -hmm. So, Joe, what's new? Uh, not much. Uh, we have a great show coming up we want to talk to you about before we get going. It is Parapsychon at the Ohio State Reformatory. It'll be May 20th and 21st. Unbelievable guests. In the, um, we're going to be live from there. We're going to do some recording. We're going to talk to fun people. Um, the Ghost Brothers will be with us. Yep. Dustin Perry, Dustin Brian Par Cano, Andrea Perry. Andrea Perry and yep. Perry. And Perry <laughs> wow. <for all. laughs> I hope she doesn't hear See, me say I, that. There I go. <laughs> mispronouncing names. Sorry. She but, knows uh, we love her. Oh, yeah. She's a doll. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Wonderful. If you ever want to meet one of the nicest people in the world, Andrea is the person. She yeah. guarantees she'll give you a hug. Yes. Uh, and if you don't know who she is, she actually grew up in the Conjuring House. Yeah. She's one of the parent family, and uh, she's got some great stories to tell. So come on down to the Ohio State Reformatory on May 21st, or 20th and 21st, and uh, come visit us. Come yeah. say hi. Yeah, and definitely don't forget we sell our handmade dowsing rods. So come out and you'll be able to use them right there in the haunted location. Last year we had a lot of people buy them. And they went up into the prison mm -hmm. and came back with amazing stories. Yeah, so that was cool. it's going to be a great time. But first, <coughs> on this show today we have Jason Wilkerson. And uh, we're going to have some fun with him. He yeah. is the founder, is in the group blue which is the beyond living unique experience paranormal group so welcome to the show jason welcome jason hey guys thank you all for having me on today it's a pleasure it's been a while since i've seen you joe yeah i think last, i think the last time was in michigan at the, the ufo con i believe yeah it's been a while we need to get back up there yeah that's one of the shows we can't make it to again this year but you know well, we're trying to get on. around it's always <laughs> Michigan's my favorite place. It's always good to go to that show. It's such a beautiful area up there. So it's definitely one of the ones that I don't like to miss either. Yeah. Now, when you went, did you go outside and um, and experience anything over Houghton Lake? I did not. It was the first time. Obviously, I, I'm good friends with John Cassidy, but oh, okay. you were talking about Andrea Perrin. And so everybody wanted to go out there. And I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the aliens to come. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she started doing her. She started doing her singing. I was like, we were all just out there waiting. We never saw anything, but I tell you, there were some crazy pictures that came from Sault Ste. Marie mm. oh, yeah. that had purple purple lights in the air, and it was just crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like it. So, Yeah, and that's another convention that we love, yeah. Michigan Paracon. You know, we always say, if you want to see anybody in the paranormal, come to Michigan Paracon because everybody is there. <laughs> exactly, Brandon. Brad and Tim are some of the best guys, and they put on a great show up oh, there. Yeah. They do, for sure. And that area up in Sault Ste. Marie, I, and I don't know if you were able to kind of explore around the town. It's so haunting up there. Like, um, it just has this really quiet strangeness for me at mm -hmm. least um you know joe and i we go to the cemetery um when uh -oh. we were there we did get uh, on the valley camp which is the uh giant freighter that's sitting there and didn't have any i didn't have any weird experiences on there were you able to get around the town at all no i have a hard time actually getting past mackinac island that's my favorite place <laughs> so it's hard when i get there it's hard when i get to the island to not want to leave so right yeah. Yeah, that place is cool with the uh, Confederate Cemetery that's on the island and the, the drowning pool. The drowning pool, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I always, I always say I was born in the wrong time period, like the 50s or 60s where I should have been born. I guess that's why I like it over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like stepping I mean, back in time, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, I mean, and obviously there's there's plenty of haunted locations and, and uh, plenty of stories on that island, so it's hard to hard to ever want to leave. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about your experience and what, what got you interested in the paranormal and, and what sparked your journey into it? Well, when I was eight years old, uh, funny thing, my grandmother passed away. Not funny thing, but I woke up the same exact time at the house that she passed away at the hospital. Mm -hmm. The phone rang and I woke up and I already knew that she had passed away. Mm -hmm. So being obviously young, you know, before, I mean, I've been doing this for longer than TV shows come out or whatever, but 
we went to the funeral home and my mom took me in. She's like, so would you want to walk up, you know, to the casket and see your grandmother? You know, we were standing at the door and I was like, I can see her just fine. She said, what do you mean? She I was like, she's standing right next to the casket. Oh. And of course my mom, my mom just freaked. <laughs> so I was like, she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, she's standing right there. I said, she's fine. So I think even though it was many years after that, I think that's my first experience ever of knowing anything, you know, mm-hmm. as far as spirits or anything like that. So, so um, do, you, do you have psychic abilities or are you just able oh, to no. see spirits? No, no, no. no? <laughs> I don't, I, I never claimed, and I, I hate the word psychic. I, yeah. I guess I just like the medium. Yeah. When okay. I was around, when I, when I was around psychics were the ones you called on the 800 number, you know, so. <laughs> Miss Cleo. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, you know, it, I guess it was, uh, it was 13 years in before I even got touched for the first time. Really? Uh, and I was always told that I was obviously wanting something to happen more, you know, and, and it was just going to happen. So we were, we were with living dead paranormal. A bunch of us went to St. Joseph, uh, Missouri, and we're laying inside a morgue bin in the Dolores Psychiatric Museum closed doors and everything else and something pinched me on the shoulder three times while i'm laying on this morgue table hmm. oh what was your reaction like <laughs> lots of lots of curse words <laughs> somebody, somebody want to open this door because we're all locked in here and i've got somebody obviously that's uh not in here grabbing my shoulder so wow that is interesting so it had been abandoned for many years or was it um well the dorsak adam museum is Part of the well it used to be over where the prison is, which is right next door. Mm-hmm. So they put everything in this museum, and this morgue bin is literally inside a concrete wall. Wow. And we were in there, and you could hear something banging on the walls inside the concrete wall. Oh and those morgue bins, when they lock in, you know, they're locked in place. And it felt like these things were moving mm-hmm. just the slightest while we were laying there because we were all dead, quiet, silent. You know, there was a camera on each of our chests while we were trying to film what was going on. And uh, it's just a really cool place. I, you know, I found it online. We were up there to visit a, a big place called the Vineyard Mansion, which was abandoned at the time. Now it's a bed and breakfast. So uh, had some crazy stuff happen there that I don't think none of us have ever really talked about that involved a former Roman Catholic priest that moved to St. Joseph, Missouri from London, England, mm-hmm. and bought this house sight unseen and had never lived in it for six years. It was gutted out completely. And he had an attachment around him that none of us knew about. Obviously, we get there, and the guy seems nice as could be. He's like, well, I don't live here, but you guys can stay in my house. So I rent a block away. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool. You know, he's like, don't want you guys to stay in a hotel. And this guy, well, I mean, I, I know Joe probably knows her. My stepdaughter, uh, Cassie Ray, who is a medium, mm-hmm. we did a little show called Dead People See Me on YouTube for, for a little while. We used to travel a lot, do conventions and stuff like that, and she – she found out that she was a medium, had the gift at 13 on her first investigation in uh, Narrows, Virginia at the MacArthur Inn. So that's kind of what took us up there with, you know, wanting to explore some new places. But I remember this guy sitting and talking to us in the kitchen and she automatically just looked at him and her tears started rolling down her face. And he looked at her and he's like, you saw it, didn't you? And she's like, yes. And she's like, we got to go upstairs. Like, let's go to bed and get away. And we got upstairs and she said, I saw something enter his body. And to, you know, this is obviously five or six years after she's, you know, found out she's had this gift. And we were called from some friends of ours from Kentucky that said, when you guys go to investigate this, you and Cassidy have to stay back at the house. You let the crew and everybody else go, but you guys don't go to the house because whatever is there is wanting to attach itself. And we're just like, I didn't drive 13 hours to, to sit here and not be involved. Yeah. So all this footage and everything else of this guy walking to the house, of course, we've got a guy with a radio just calling and saying, hey, this is what's going on. They get to the front door, and this priest, he throws the keys to the front door of this house, and it's a 12,000-square-foot house. Wow. And they're like, what are you doing? He was like, well, the distance the, the house key is from the front door will tell me how angry this thing is. Oh. And, of course, all the guys were just like, you're nuts. <laughs> And so they walk in the house and this is all, we've got footage of all this, like on eight different cameras. We walk in the house and or they walk in the house, I'm sorry. And he starts banging his cane in the floor that he was walking with speaking in Latin. And we had it deciphered after everything was done. And it was saying, come forth Lord of, 
And before he got the last word, they're calling me on the radio saying the walls are banging, the pipes are banging. Like, it's like he just turned the switch on and everything started happening. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. So they're calling me and telling me this stuff. And I was, he was like, he's like, you know, I'm going back down the house because, you know, I want to see where Cassidy's at. And they're like, all right, we're going to stay here and see what's going on. They said the moment he walked out the door, everything stopped. It just went silent. And the craziest thing is he comes back to this house where we're all at. There's a bunch of people there um, that was from out of state or whatever, just wanted to see what was going on. And when he walked in, we're sitting within five feet of him. And he's like, where's Jason? Where's Cassidy? It's like he couldn't see. It's hmm. like something just covered him and he could not see us, even though we're right there in front of him. So a few, a few other things happened. We left at midnight that night, two days early. Drove back to Kentucky because we were all so freaked out. And I called the diocese in St. Joe who had researched him when he first came there. Cause I'm like, why would a guy from England buy a house in Missouri and move here? And he had been part of 134 last rites and 13 exorcisms. Oh. Wow. So he obviously had an attachment that I think he knew about, but he just wasn't, you know, didn't know how to handle it or didn't want to mm -hmm. talk about it. So it was, it was crazy. And, uh, haven't talked to anything about that since since he moved from there. He moved into Mexico. But the guy that came to film with us, which is Dan Hall out of Indianapolis, he stayed a couple of days extra just doing some B-roll footage. And I just learned this about three or four months ago. We were talking about it, and he said, you know, when I came back home, he said, there's a trail I hike all the time. And he said, you know, I've been having issues about this stuff that happened in St. Joseph. He said, there's a trail I hike all the time. And he said, I'm not kidding. He said, there was a guy that passed me and I turned around and looked at him. He turned around and looked at me and he said, he literally morphed into like a reptile figure. Oh. And I'm just like, and you're just now telling me this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. This is something we like. No, to I don't, know. I don't know what was going on or what happened, but he's, you know, he's a guy that's been doing documentaries for a long time. And he's like, I'm serious. He said, this guy turned around. I looked at him. He looked at me and he like turned into a reptile figure. Hmm. Wow. But it's really interesting that you say that, you know, that a priest has an attachment. You would think that they do so many cleansings and blessings that nothing would be able to, you know, penetrate their their bubble, I guess you would call it. Well, the first thing he told us when we got there, which was kind of what didn't make any sense to us, like, is this guy, you know, really being legit? He said, the reason I moved here is because I could see angels uh, elevating in and out of the church. And he said, they would put me up on the, the uh, podium and make me, you know, tell the congregation when it was happening. Oh. And I'm like, seriously, that's, that's what you're telling me. I mean, I didn't, you know, it's hard to believe that. Yeah. So, or as I should say, ascending and descending in church. Yeah. So he said, I, I got tired of being a spectacle and I just had to move. Okay. Huh. I wonder if, you know, if, if he is telling the truth and that, and I wonder if anything followed him and maybe that is his attachment because of that. I don't know. The craziest thing about it was the real estate lady that was there with us. Uh, she said, I've never, she said, I've known him for six years. And he, she said, I've never seen him act the way he did until you guys got here. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Maybe that's scary. No. Well, maybe knowing that you guys or what you guys do brought that out, you know, maybe, maybe it was, he knew he had an attachment, but it was more like a dormant thing. And then with you guys there, the attachment was like, okay, I'm take, this is it. I'm going to shine because you guys can see or not physically like a, like a, but they're know, open to it. Yeah. They're open to it. Mm -hmm. I think the funny thing about all this was after this happened, none of us really want to talk about this because a lot of us were having crazy dreams. Like some of the Foreman brothers were waking up in the middle of the night, like their chest was burning. They had a rosary on their chest and it was just breaking all over their chest. Hmm. Wow. Like just weird dreams. Yeah. And none of us really ever talked about this. And to this day, really haven't talked about it a lot. But I get a phone call and an email like three weeks after we leave. And I'm not serious. I'm not kidding. I've still got this email. Paranormal Witness used to be on sci fi. Mm -hmm. Called me and said, Hey, I wanted to talk to you about some place you just went to. And I'm like, What are you talking about? Because I'm like, We, we kind of really just didn't want to talk about this because we we're all so freaked out. It's like, Well, you went somewhere in Missouri and we want to talk to you about putting you on the show. And I'm like, I don't know who told you this or how you got this information, but I said, I don't want to be a part of the show or anything else because at the time we didn't want to talk about it. So mm -hmm. it was really crazy that I still to this day don't know how they got our information yeah. or whatever. So, uh, I mean, did you guys, you guys didn't do like a live from there or anything, did you? 
No, no, oh. everything was just done. Cameras, us walking around. Uh, like I said, they all the crew went up there. We stayed back at the house. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy to get a phone call from them saying, you know, we want to talk to you about the show and everything else. It's like, I don't know who told you this or whatever, but we don't want to talk about it. I yeah. mean, just didn't want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because, I mean, obviously we know people, you know, both of us know people that are on shows and that. And it's tough because sometimes the producers want to change stuff to make it more sensationalized. And you're like, well, no, that, that didn't happen that way or that. So maybe it's, maybe it was a good thing you, you didn't go on. Yeah. I mean, you know, over the, over the years, you know, Cassie kind of was like pulled in to be everybody's little sister because she was, you know, a teenager. Mm-hmm. And the biggest, the biggest, uh, you know, knowledge we got was from Josh Gates. He said, if you guys, cause she got contacted plenty of times about doing shows, but mm-hmm. nothing ever worked out. He said, you guys make sure to ask for executive producer rights. That way you can, you know, do what you want to do. You have a say in everything. If not, don't be a part of it. Cause yeah. you know, as well as I do people these days, they sell their soul out for one season to be on TV. Oh yeah. Yep. Like I always said, I just want to be on a show. I want to be the guy that goes, mm-hmm. And then I can, <laughs> in the credits, I can be the mm-hmm guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Guy on the sidewalk, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting though. Have you heard, have you heard anything of what happened to that priest? I do not know. Uh, he moved to New Mexico where his mom was living at at the time and she passed away. And even the real estate lady did not know anything about him. He's been gone for a while, hmm. but I will, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about what's your, what's your idea of, of spirits being bound to a location. I don't think so. I, I think that when we, you know, they talk about trapped spirits and all that. I don't think they are. I think that they may be fragmented and a piece of them might still be at that location, you know, a piece of their energy. But honestly, I don't think that they are bound to a location. What do you think? I don't Sarah? know. I think, I, I think possibly, I, I don't know. I One of my theories, I guess, is, you know, if there was something tragic that happened, I think kind of along the lines of the stone tape theory where maybe their energy just got burst into the, into that space and they yeah. can't really leave until maybe somebody comes along and they're able to unite their energy or, or latch mm-hmm. on to somebody else. And then they're able to maybe go, I'm not sure now, you know, but then, then on the other hand, it's like, okay, well, why wouldn't they be able to go anywhere? Because their energy and they could, you know, like when my dad died, I was like, I hope he's going all over the world. I hope he's at the pyramids and I hope he's out chasing Bigfoot. And I hope he's, you know, at the model train show down the street or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I think maybe spirits don't realize that they have free will to go anywhere and they just think that they're stuck. Some of them don't even know that they passed on Mm -hmm. because we don't know what time is on the other side you know, what could be a hundred years for us could be, you know, a blip in their, in their lifetime or their existence on the other side. The reason I ask is because I travel a lot, just, you know, I got a lot of vacation from work every year. And so last year I traveled for like a month across the States and I went back to Missouri to this house. Cause I'm like, now it's a bed and breakfast. So I want to go check it out. You know, I want to mm-hmm. see the real estate lady I know up there and whatever. And she's like, well, I'll get you in touch with the guy who owns it or whatever. And I meet the guy and he automatically starts talking about it. He's like, well, she told me that, you, you know, you've been here before back when the, the priest was here and everything else. And I just want to let you know that's not going on here anymore. Oh. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, she said, you're a ghost hunter. It's like, so you're not really, I don't want you investigating this house. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, uh, it's a bed and breakfast. I mean, do you think there's stuff going on? He's like, oh, I know there's stuff here. He said, the little girl from the family who owned this house when it was first built, she's here. And then there's a man that stays upstairs in the attic and they're fine. And I, you know, they know not to, to cause any trouble. And the guy was really weird. Like he just was not very personal at all. And to me, when he started saying, well, they know not to cause any trouble. I know who they are. They know not to cause any trouble. I'm like, are you like keeping these spirits here for some reason? That's the first thought I thought of was like the way he just kind of said it, like very, uh, you know possessive mm-hmm. yeah huh. yeah who knows like could that be part of his you know marketing package is that we have these ghosts here and they can't leave <laughs> well no he's he literally says we don't even talk about it but he said uh-huh. since you've been here since you know you do this stuff he says 
he wouldn't let me stay there. So I had to stay in the carriage house that's attached to it next door. He said, you can't stay in here <laughs> because I guess he thought that I was actually going to investigate, which I was. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you go someplace, you're not, I don't care where it's at. I'm going to give my reporter out. Oh, sure. For sure. And even, but even, I started asking questions in the carriage house next mm-hmm. door, you know, just, <laughs> you know, speaking out, speaking out of text or whatever with the spirit box that I use. That's all I use is a spirit box and a recorder. Never used anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a full sentence to come across when I was asking, you know, is this guy, you know, holding you here or holding whoever here? I just want to know. And if you can't answer, you know, because he's got you, you know, I, I hate to use the word bound, but if he's got you under some kind of lock and key or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me know. And it was a full sentence and it said, I don't think he got the answer he was looking for. Oh, and I was wow. just like, you know, if you've used a spirit box, you don't get a full sentence. Yeah. Right. And I was just like blown away. I mean, I've never heard a full sentence come through like that. You know, mm-hmm. I run it at 200 and it's running so fast. You're not going to even have something like that mm-hmm. come through. Yeah, But you don't know what that guy's into either. He could be, <clears throat> you know, I'm running this beautiful cherry bread and breakfast, but then, you know, worshiping some weird entity or, or something, and, you know, on a, his off time. He was, very, he was a very weird character. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Yeah. You know, and that, I've never heard that before, and it, it kind of makes me think about can the living hold a spirit at a location? You know, I mean, it's it's almost like a reverse um, exorcism. Exactly. I've never thought about that before, and maybe... Joe had an original thought, everybody. Yeah. Mark it down <laughs> for the books. Let me get the smoke out of it. <laughs> smoke. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a good thought too because we don't know what this guy's doing. Even though he says he doesn't want to talk about it, but knowing that you were a ghost hunter and knowing that you've been in that location, he automatically said, "No, you're not going to investigate in that." But you went next door, and you can call the spirits over to that room. <laughs> Come on over. And and that whole street that that's on is literally there's three buildings on that street that there are people that that run investigations every night of the week okay so i'm like why are you not running why are you not doing this at your bed and breakfast when these places yeah. here are just you know right across the street from you paratourism is huge right now yeah. you know it's oh, massive uh-huh. yeah for sure i'd love to have an old old big giant old former funeral home <laughs> you know rectory or something <laughs> restore it that would be amazing well i mean there's been funerals no, not in your house. I was thinking that no. there were funerals, but not in yours. Well, I, my house is almost 100 years yeah. old, but it, there wouldn't be enough room for it. Um, tell us, uh, Jason, where else? You said you went on this month-long journey. Where else did you go to? On this uh, well, that was just a, I don't always go ghost hunting. I mean, I can always find somewhere new to go, but mm-hmm. that one was uh, just traveling i mean i went to arkansas to do the diamond dig everybody talks oh, about which oh my god I we were just talking about that <laughs> I, I didn't find nothing but a bunch of dirt and rocks oh but, you know. man but you found but, an adventure yeah there's some serious people that do that there was there was two guys that were 12 feet into the ground digging <gasps> wow. they'd like yeah we do this every day you know we'll find one or two every day but they're 12 feet into the ground just throwing mud out dirt out washing everything off i'm like yeah that's too much yeah yeah we just want to go for the day and just have fun and and do that. Um, hey, I found a diamond <laughs> in the dollar store parking lot. Oh. I picked it up and I put it in a little baggie, yeah. put it in my glove box, and I forgot all about it, and I sold the car and went with the car. It could have been real. Could have been. You never know. Could have, would have, should have. But it was in the dollar store parking lot, so it had to be real. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say this, because I, um, I started obviously in Kentucky, went to West Virginia, and probably the coolest thing I've done in a long time, I went to Bowling Green, Virginia. Hmm. Uh, have you guys ever seen a movie called The Lovings? Yeah. I haven't. It's amazing. I mean, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's about the interracial couple that pretty much started, uh, I guess, I guess segregated marriage in the 50s. And they were, they were arrested for it hmm. two different times. And uh, so it didn't get actually passed through, I think, until like 68 by Robert F. Kennedy. He wrote a letter. But their house and the jail where they were jailed at, I found out the guy, there was a a, uh, a tourist place down there around the jail. They just had a bunch of stuff in Bowling Green. And I asked him, I said, can I come down and check the jail out? I said, I'll pay you, you know, just to come check it out or whatever. 
because it's all going to the to the uh, tourism place there. And he said, yeah, come on down. And it's just a very small jail. They've took the cells out, so there's only a top floor and a bottom floor. Hmm. But where she was jailed at is a bathroom now, and it's literally about six feet by four feet. Yeah. So you got to imagine being put in a jail. And she was pregnant at one time when she was jailed. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. And it's amazing because there's markers down there of, of you know, the family, her and her husband. The house is there next to the church, next to the cemetery where they're buried at. And I just thought it was weird because I was there right around Martin Luther King Day. And so I found a, uh, I found a florist that was actually open uh, on a Sunday. And so I went and bought flowers and took them over to the grave because, you know, you, you want to respect the spirits whether, whether or not they're there or, you know, or not. Sure. But my fear was, you know, I hope they're not here in this jail. So, I mean, I walked through, you know, investigated for a few hours. I'm like, I hope you guys have moved on. I hope there's nothing around here. And I got some weird uh, recordings back that sound like maybe a warden and, a, and an inmate hmm. because it literally said, get your stuff. And the inmate, as I'm, I'm guessing it would have been, can I get some help? Hmm. And it was just weird to hear those two things come through on a recorder because he left me there alone. I mean, it's very quiet. There's nothing else there, that jail and a little, little police department in this little town. But uh, I had the best time. I mean, it was just, it was, it was moving. Yeah. To be there and see that history from, you know, 70 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, small town jails, they hold a lot of energy anyways. Sure. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's almost like, well, like Miranda's jail. It's almost like part of the community where people go, they get put in jail. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it's just a place where they go. And then the families come and they meet and they have lunch and stuff. And it's <laughs> like, but there's a full range of emotions. Sure. It's almost like a hospital, mm. you know, it's, it's different than like Ohio state where it was violent and scary. You know, that a lot of those small town jails had violent and scary, but they also just had times where they were well, put in jail and they well, come. There visit. was also, you know, people who were just the town drunk or mm-hmm. indigent or, you know, homeless or, you know, sometimes unruly kids <laughs> <laughs> stuck in there. So you have that whole gamut of, mm-hmm the ties to the community. Yeah. Because of these it, people was, local. it was crazy to see the receipt that they had from whenever they were in jail. So for them to get put in jail, go to court, do all this paperwork was like $4 back then. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. It was probably <laughs> a lot of money, right? Back then. <laughs> uh, got to visit a little place called Thurman, West Virginia. If you've never been there, you'll know it because you run out of phone service as soon as you get on the road to go. <laughs> oh, it's no. a, it's a little, uh, train station town, all these buildings there, they're empty for years. There's six people that live there. Hmm. You'll never see them, and it's right next to the river, and all you hear is just the river. There's, I mean, it's just beautiful. Oh, oh my gosh. Can't but it's a ghost that. town. It's definitely a place to go and try to investigate if you can find one of the six people to get you in. Yeah. <laughs> just start you knocking know. on doors, right? Just next time you go, just say, we're going to have a town meeting. Everybody show up. Right. <laughs> they will but, be snacks. Jumped around, drove all the way across Arkansas. Literally, I'm a I'm a night driver, so I took took like an hour break on a, on 1100 mile drive. Oh my god! But uh, went to Arkansas, did the diamond dig, didn't find nothing. Of course, went up to Missouri, and then come across to one of the places I was talking to Joe about the other day, which is now the haunted old city jail hmm. in uh, Bright or Bridgestone, Illinois. Okay. Somebody had contacted me. That was like, I know you're traveling. There's a guy here that wants you to come and stop and check out this jail. I said, well, let him know. I said, I'm going to be here, you know, this day, but I can, you know, I'd already planned out the trip. And he said, well, you know, there was a group there that checked it out before. They put it online, and they were doing some kind of Patreon stuff while they were there, which didn't make any sense to me. If the guy wants to find out if his place is haunted, yeah. why is he bringing in somebody, out, you know, outside the norm to, to run a Patreon mm-hmm. to try to make money? Yeah. So... Never heard back from the guy. And I, was, I told her, I said, look, I'm, I'm headed back home if I don't hear from him. I said, because I've got, you know, six hours to get back home. So never heard from him. And next thing I know is this is a new place that I guess I saw the video the other day that Adam Kimmel from Madison Seminary is promoting as one of their new locations, I guess. Their sixth and seventh location. And it has one picture. It has no history on the Facebook page. <laughs> And it's 300 for a night through the week and 500 on the weekend. <laughs> and this is a place this guy, you know, it used to be an old courthouse slash jail. Yeah. 
But watching the video of the group that was there previously, you know, there was holes all over the building. It was, you know, plywood up over stuff. And I'm like, so they just open up a new place and want to charge this kind of money and nothing, no history, no pictures, no nothing. I'm like, and that's that to me is what's always been wrong with the paranormal. Every place in the corner of one little town decides, oh, it's haunted because it's old and we're going to open it up and charge a bunch of money. Yeah. And sometimes it's so expensive you can't afford to go. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I understand that most most of the places the money goes to the location, but if you're going to charge people to go to it, at least have a backstory, at least have something that good investigators can search at like the history or the um, library for the history of that. Instead of just saying, you know, it's haunted and come on, check it out. You know, well, it's the bad thing is the same people. Uh, I think, I don't remember the guy's name. The lady's name is Addie Gaddis, which if you watch her Facebook, she's part of, Madison Seminary, her and her husband, I guess, bought these places. The other one's the Haunted Pine Lawn Manor in Sumter, Illinois, which is 10 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And again, you got one picture of an old nursing home, which is, I guess, what it was, no history, and the same price. I'm like, I don't I don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. why do you sit out here? I, one, and they, their first investigation, which is funny, was done last year, like September 2022. They did some kind of overnight investigation, little tour thing for $20 a person. Mm-hmm. And you don't hear nothing from them for six months. And then they open up. It's like, oh, it's $500 for, for a night here. And yeah, I'm like, does it take that. that long to take pictures, put some history of this place instead of just taking one picture of like mm-hmm. the, the front of the place and that's it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to build up to that. For that get, kind of money, I want to see evidence. Yeah. I want to see some evidence that this place is. Because, I mean, you go haunted. both ways. You, you want to know the history and you want to know the hauntings, but you also don't want to know the history and don't want when you go in because. You want you don't want to be steered to that, but if you're gonna open up a location, say it's haunted, and charge that much money, at least have some kind of backstory. At least and, have some and, kind of exactly. and a bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean it, it can be vague. Just when was the place built? You know how many mm-hmm. patients? They, just anything small, vague like that. Mm-hmm. But just yeah. to put a front on there, I mean we see it all the time with these locations that. You know, people either buy for nothing and they automatically charge a, an outrageous amount. Like, you're not going to make your money back overnight. You don't buy a haunted location to make your money back overnight. Mm-mm. You know, if it's if it's legit and it's real, then people are going to come for obviously a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the Conjuring House. I mean, I got lucky to go there for two nights uh, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And at the time, he was like, well, you know, we kind of just got started. He said, so if you want to come and stay the night and you're by yourself, just $125. Yeah. And I was like, really? You'll you'll rent it out for one night, just one person? He's like, yeah. Wow. And now the lady bought it, has raised it to nine hundred and sixty dollars a night mm-hmm. instead of six hundred. So yeah. Wow. Like you don't pay four million for a place or whatever it was she paid, and try to make your money back overnight. Yeah. Especially yeah. when the place has been booked up year round for the last year or so. Yeah. Well, plus the thing is though, that has such a history though. Oh yeah, it's and got it a great. History. It's an amazing history. place. Mm-hmm. I will say that it was. Yeah. The the group that met me from Michigan. Stayed four hours and went home. Really? They drove 12 hours. They stayed four hours in the house and investigated, went and slept in the car. Because, I mean, I'm like, you got the place all yeah. night long. Yeah. Take and I advantage. get up at 6 o'clock the next morning, I send them a message. I'm like, because to me, they're still in the car asleep. I said, let's go get some breakfast. So I come downstairs, and and uh, he said, I said, uh, have you seen the rest of the group? He said, they left at like 5 o'clock this morning. Wow. And I'm like, are you serious? And I mean, it was great, and it was great uh, investigation. Lots of stuff coming through the spirit box. Lots of co- stuff coming through their box they had, mm-hmm. but nothing to the point of after I'm driving twelve hours to stay four hours. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, so, I, especially that. I mean, it's like I don't want to say the holy grail of places because there's other places, but you've got an opportunity, and that's what you do. So. Why leave? I don't know. Yeah. People people have their reasons, you know. I mean, I don't know if it was, you know, it was kind of slow at first. We, went, we started in the basement and mm-hmm. kind of went through the house and everything else. And, I mean, I always post everything on, on Facebook from my recorder. I don't ever put anything on a computer. That way there's no question that it, it's actually on the recorder. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a lady follow me through the house saying, listen to me. And I'm like, I'm trying to listen <laughs> to you. What do you want to tell me? She just kept saying, listen to me. Ah. And I think the thing that freaked them out is we went back down to the basement and this person is supposed to be a, I guess, a so-called medium, you want, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. Uh, they were on that TV show, the 
just came out a while back on Netflix, the 48 hours where that mess was. Yeah. I didn't see that. I've seen a lot of ads for it, but I never saw it. You, you, you really would have wasted 48 seconds of your time before you turned it off. That's how bad it was. Just saying, I'm being honest. Yeah. But, uh, but they got freaked out because there was a man's voice that come through and it's very clear. It says my house, you are free now to go. Oh, he told them. Yeah. And I think, I think that was it. And mm-hmm. they're like, we're done. <laughs> and I'm like, you drove all this way for this. Right? Like, what did you think was going to happen? You know, we've had so many people that, no, I shouldn't say so many, but we've had people that come do an investigation and they get freaked out and run out the bit. We're like, wait a minute. You, you just asked them to, to contact you or just yeah, talk or to you, and, you or yeah. something and it happens and then you freak. You're like, what did you expect? Yeah. You come to go yeah, ghost we, hunting and you see a ghost and you're like, ah. you got lucky. Cause I mean, you know, as well too, you could go all night and not get anything until oh, yeah. maybe the second night or third night. It, it takes time, you know? And like we said before, three or three nights to us could be three seconds to them. Who knows? I mean, I've been to the to the Monroe house on three separate occasions. The first time we were there, a light bulb blew mm-hmm. uh, because I was like, you know, I was going down in the basement and I was like, I said, turn the light on. I grabbed, and Cassidy grabbed a little pull switch, turned the light on. I got to the bottom of the stairs and I said, well, now you can see me, you know, now the light's on just as well as, you know, I can see you in the dark. And Cassidy said, he said uh, he likes the light off and the light bulb literally exploded at the top of the stairs. Wow. <laughs> and, this, and I mean, this is a place, if you, if any of you guys have been there, obviously Eddie and Eddie and Pam are great people, but Eddie told me, he said, the reason that, you know, I had to open this up, Pam loves to investigate, but Eddie's like, I'm scared to death of this stuff. Oh. And he said the first time that he was in the house doing some work, he said, I saw an old man upstairs in the closet. <sighs> and he said, I was like a squirrel. He said, I didn't go past the door because he was there standing in the doorway. He said, I climbed down the side of the house. <gasps> really? He was that freaked out. <laughs> Wow. So it was interesting to go up there with them where this old man supposedly was and watch the ceiling fan come on with every switch in the house taped over where you couldn't turn the switch on. Oh, that's crazy. And he's like, are you guys seeing that? I'm like, same as you. Uh-huh. So, uh, so we went back, uh, me and a, a friend of mine from Indianapolis, uh, Chris, and we walked in the house to get our stuff set up. We were going to get something to eat. It was middle of the day, like five o'clock. So we go upstairs and just look around, come back downstairs, set our stuff up. Going to go get something to eat. Sounds like I heard a buffalo come down the back stairwell. I mean, it sounded like 15 people just running down the back stairwell. Oh, my word. We're like, this is going to be a great night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we go eat. We come back, and you hear nothing until midnight. Oh. So you sit there for six hours. You hear one little thing. Yeah. So that's how it is, just like fishing, you know, they say. so. <laughs> right. And that's, we always say, the second you get a location, turn your recorder on. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Or because, before. Sometimes yeah. going you know, on the journey, mm-hmm. maybe they know you're coming. You don't know. And leave your recorder on when you go to dinner. You know, when you oh, leave yeah. the place, leave it on to see. Mm-hmm. Cause I've heard that before where we've gone to locations and left, come back and we hear all kinds of EVPs. And then when we show up, nothing. That's I try almost... my best to explain cause that's the, that's the only thing I'm good at is EVPs. But I try to explain to people when they're asking about what it is. I said, you talk, and I said, I've got my, people call me Mickey Mouse because I wear my headphones on the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. I do an old school real EVP, not usually real, real time EVP recorders now. But I was like, you can talk and ask all the questions you want. I said, I won't hear a thing you say because I'm only listening for what's not there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you ever use the Estes method? Uh, I have never done it. I know a lot of people who have. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a particular opinion on it one way or another so yeah um here's something I, i'd love to ask you because you do evps and that have you ever had a situation now we we did the toledo police museum and yeah. it seems like every time we do that we have this situation where we're doing an evp session and we're not getting any evps we'll play it back and as we're playing it back we're getting evps it's almost like they can't hear us until it's in electronic form. And it's it's always at the Toledo Police Museum, and we it happens every time, but nowhere else. And one I don't of, know if I've had that happen, but mm-hmm. I will get EVPs that come through, and we all listen to it. Like, everybody, I, I don't ever want to tell somebody what it says. I want yeah. you guys to tell me what you're listening to, what you hear. You don't want to give anybody, you know, false information. Mm-hmm. Look, what do you guys hear when you... 
and you listen to it, everybody comes up with the same thing. Well, then you get home and you listen to it again. It's something completely opposite, which yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Well, I did an Estes method at a warehouse here in town and I'm going to put the video out and it was one of the best EVP sessions I've ever been a part of. And I listened back to the recording of the, like the recorder we're using to record the show is what I used with the microphone. And then we also had the, the camera going on me and I hear on the audio, I was hearing EVPs that were clear as day. And then when I went to put them on the record on the video, it sounded completely different. It was like, no, wait a minute. I hear it. But then when I play it for the record or for the video, it's completely different. That's weird. It's the weirdest thing. I mean, I wouldn't see that happening with digital, but, you know, people always say, well, you've listened to it too many times, you know, it'll go away. And I'm like, we're not using many cassette recorders. We're using digital. So, mm-hmm. right. yeah. Yeah. So sure. I don't know. That's, it's such a bizarre thing, but that thing with the Toledo police museum is weird because it's almost like they can't hear it when we're speaking, but they hear it when it's being played through a recorder. I don't know. Just yeah, weird. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Different frequencies. So I've kind of just switch um, it up a little bit here, just because I I saw this in your in your um, list of the places that you have been to, and you had the ancient ram in on here. That was that was by complete accident. I like to go to Europe. Uh, I want to hear it. Usually, <laughs> usually the first month of the year, I usually try to take a month and go to Europe. I get seven weeks vacation at work, so I like to try to to go somewhere different. Nice. And I happen to be over there just on a whim, you know, checking some places I've never been to. And I see online an investigation for the ancient Ram Inn. Hmm. So I contact the paranormal group and I was like, do you have tickets left? And she's like, yeah, we got a couple. And I was like, well, it's just me. Of course they're like, oh, you're from America. Hmm. I love British accents. So yeah. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> let me, let me go. It was literally 55 bucks to go and investigate this place. Oh, wow. Wow. And there was like eight of us that showed up on top of the group that was there. Man, it's just I don't even know how to explain it. The little town is is wooting under edge. It's like seventeen hundred people or something. It's very small. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Like I took a bus to get to this place. And uh it's an amazing little town. Uh the hotel I stayed in was built in seventeen twenty one. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's just and it, and this little town just it keeps on giving when you get there. Because mm-hmm. obviously you're staying in a place it's called the I think it was called the Swan Inn, it was yellow. But looking at the pictures, the entire block fell down back in the 1700s. So this is the only one that stayed. They actually built everything back. Hmm. Wow. Now, but was the, the random, was, sorry, go ahead. was the owner still alive when you went there? The little, no, Mr. I don't know. I don't, some lady Humphreys runs it. Or, now. I um, forget what his name was. And I guess the craziest thing is they have such different theories over there than we do in the States. They're all about scrying. They're all about Ouija mm. boards over there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so the the group, uh, they're called Real Paranormal. They had a glass round uh, Ouija board, scrying board, whatever you want to call it. And they used that thing the entire night and got some crazy EVPs uh, in the house. Um, had a British lady there that we were kept, we had cat balls and stuff. That's the first time I'd ever seen them used. Mm. And we just set them off, you know, in different areas. And they started going off. And, and I was like, can you make it go off three times? And the lady was like, well, that's not three. And I get a recording back that says, yes, that's three. <laughs> like, it's like, yes, lady, it is. So yeah. sorry to, sorry to object to what you're saying, but yes. <laughs> but, uh, the, I think the craziest thing, and it, it's still hard to believe to me is we were there upstairs in the attic and there's carpet rolls and stuff. Like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff there. Just, you know, really don't know why, even why it's there. And I get a recording on my, or an EVP on my recorder that says, move the box. And we're all like, what's it talking about? We're all looking around the room. And there's carpet rolls everywhere and everything else. Under six carpet rolls, there's a plastic container with a Bible from the 1800s that had been loaned to this place from the church that this lady had no idea. The church had been asking for this thing back for a while. Oh. So we called the owners like, look, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but we found a Bible in this box up here. And I tried to explain, you know, the EVP and everything else. And she's like, that is just insane. She's like, the church asked me about that like last year. And I said, I have no idea where it's at. Hmm. And it was just, it was just like, okay, some, somebody needs to take this Bible back to the church. Yeah. And it was a massive, you know, those old Bibles, this thing was massive. Oh my gosh. 
But uh, I think the coolest thing about the town is I went to the uh, the tourism center. And of course, I start talking about ghosts. And a lot of people there don't believe really in the ancient ram man. It's like, oh, people come here and check it out. You know, if you lived here, you know everything else. Because it says there's a sign outside of the the building that says built in the 10th century. Because mm-hmm. I think it's about 1100 is when it was actually built. Oh, wow. And uh, he said, let me tell you a real cool place to go. That's not the ancient ram inn. I walked up, I don't know, three miles up a mountain. And there is a tower there that was built for the guy who deciphered, I think it was uh, a part of the Bible. So there's a tower there at the top of this mountain that's got like 90 steps in a circular motion up there. And then 10 miles away, you can see the other tower that they built as well for the same thing. But it's just like they, they literally cross each other. But they had the trowel in the tourism center from I think it was the six like sixteen eighty three when this thing was built. So it's a it's inscribed and everything else. He's like, let me take you back here, which I was amazed this guy wanted to take me and show me all this stuff because I'm like, it's in safes and everything else. I'm like, this is a pretty cool you know trip for you to do this for me. But they had medals and stuff that the I guess the I guess the mayor or something got from somebody in New York City in the in the uh, the safe back there. I mean, there was just all kinds of, these people were so nice. Hmm. So it was really cool to go up the side of the mountain three miles uh, in the rain. (laughs) But but you get to the top of the mountain and uh, where this thing is at, of course, it's clear everywhere. But you're walking through the woods. And the the last thing I see at the top of the woods, it looked like something that Bigfoot would have put together. These trees just wrapped around each other like a a little hut thing. Hmm. And that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, okay, good. I'm, I'm walking through the through the forest here for three miles, not knowing where I'm at. The Bigfoot's going to come up on me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what are you doing in my house? No, you had a British <laughs> accent. Oh, yeah, Bigfoot with a British I can't do a Bigfoot British accent. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Good eye, mate. Oh, wait, that's, um, that's Australian. Australian. <laughs> I'm still going to plug my phone in. I'm still hoping one of these days that Trans-Allegheny is on my list. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be so amazing. Yeah, there's so many places. I would I would love to go over and see the castles. Oh yeah, for sure, haunted castles, castles, um, the London Cemetery. Oh my gosh, hmm. it's just yeah. I mean, that's would... I want to get to Scotland and see uh, Greyfriars. Yeah, I'm just sure. waiting for a prisoner there to to tackle me and do anything else because they <laughs> said there's so many people been hurt and scratched and hit and everything else from where the prisoners were. Where the prison was, where the prisoners are buried at. Mm-hmm. But I think the coolest thing I've seen when I was in Europe, and you know, every time somebody tells you not to do something, you're going to do it. Oh, yeah. Right? So I'm in Vienna, Austria, walking through a massive church, and there's a, a basement tour that you take, and there's urns all over the basement of this place. And, you know, they're talking to us about these are priests that passed away, and these urns are from the 1400s, but they mm-hmm. say when a priest passes away, they put their brain in one urn, they put their body in another, and then he put their heart in another in three different churches. Oh, I never knew that. Wow. We're walking through these tunnels underneath this church, and they're like, you, know, you guys can't take pictures of this, but we just want to stop and show you this. There's nine rooms of skeleton bones mm-hmm. where they were buried, and they were buried after they passed away, obviously, skin and everything else it got to stinking so bad they took the prisoners down there and made them clean all these the skin and everything else off this because it was making such a bad smell in the church so see i mean i took obviously i was i kind of stayed in the back of the line and whenever they got far enough ahead i took pictures of the the uh, rooms because it was behind like cages Hmm. and i think they said eleven thousand bodies down there really well, if that isn't a recipe for haunting, right? You can see rooms like three to five feet high, nothing but bones. Oh, wow. It's incredible that these places exist, right? Like, yeah. you just don't think about it. You think, okay, somebody's passed away and they get cremated or they get put in a cemetery. You don't think about these vaults full mm-hmm. of, you know, <laughs> bones and... Or like those churches that they make chandeliers and stuff oh, out of yeah. the bones. Yeah. Or the. Uh, it's, I guess. I guess they. If you live over there and you see it all the time, you might get tired of it because the biggest misconception over there was, we want to come to America and see Las Vegas and New York. I'm like, 
No, yeah. you don't. Nah. Why would you ever want to be here? Yeah. Like every every block is a new haunted place for you to investigate. Just yeah. as we would. So. It's like when we were in New Orleans, everybody's like, let's go down to Bourbon Street. I'm like, no, let's go to the cemeteries. Right. <laughs> we don't want to see a bunch of drunks. We want to see a bunch of ghosts. Yeah. Ghosts. Voodoo shop, wherever, wherever, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wasn't that impressed by it. <laughs> it's touristy. You know, yeah. if you want to see the real voodoo, you go yeah. down in the tranny or. Underground. As my friend from New Orleans told me, I said, can you bring me back a voodoo doll when you go back home? She's like, like you'll never find when you literally have to go underground to yeah. find a real booty down head down to Trammy or something. And... Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking, you know, you talked a little bit about um, prisons. You were you on your list. You have Moundsville. Now, have you you went to Moundsville or is that on your list to go? I actually went there uh, last year just on one of the public things. I don't usually like to go public, but mm-hmm. that's so big you never cross paths with anybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you have any weird feelings down in the sugar shack? I didn't. My weirdest feeling came from the chapel. Really? Hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, Because there was only two of us out there. And it it escapes my mind at the moment what the EVP was, but I got it as I was coming out the door, like almost like somebody was like uh, apologizing for whatever they did. Hmm. Yeah. but we saw some shadow figures but, in the chapel when we were there. But no, I just say that because like I I feel like I got my own the only attachment I ever had came from after we were in that sugar shack in the basement. It was just very 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 scary to me. <laughs> very dark. Something that that I couldn't really make sense of and I'm going to ask you. I sat in red cell, obviously they talked about red being there. Mm-hmm. I stayed in the cell, and I was the only one in this area because I guess everybody else had moved on to another area. But I sat in the cell, and they always said he smoked. And I'm sitting there in pitch black, and I'm just running a recorder. And I start seeing blinks of light where these fake cigarettes would be at on his on his cell bed. And I'm like, is this what, you know, is he trying to light up cigarettes? That's just my thought. I'm like, or is it my, my, my eyes playing tricks on me mm-hmm. in, in pitch black? Because I kept seeing these little flashes of light. It's very possible. Now, we smelled cigarettes there Yeah. when we were there in kind of like the, there's like, um, you know, the main part where they bring the prisoners in and kind of has like that rotating door, like yeah. cage, or I guess you would say. Um, and there was nobody around, but we definitely smelled cigarettes, which was interesting that you say that. Yeah, Next. I mean, I, I was sitting there and like I said, there was nobody else there. I did hear one of the doors uh, upstairs slam. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, I, I walked around for a minute to make sure there was nobody else back in that area upstairs, downstairs. I always like, is there anybody else in here? Because, I mean, it wasn't a big group that night. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Uh, and you talk about the round uh, cage thing. I, that's another place I like to go to, is the squirrel cage jail. Oh, yeah. I mean. Didn't somebody get their arm caught in mm-hmm. that thing? They and did. That killed them? Yeah. <laughs> To hear the, you know, I guess I don't know the exact history on that, but I guess the one in, in uh, is it, is it, is that in Iowa, Council Bluffs or something like that? Sounds I think? familiar, yeah. I don't know. But I, I guess what they, what I originally had been told or read was that that uh, the cage had to have water in it or something to get it to move. So I guess if if it was a drought or something like that going on, the prisoners could not get food, could not move out of their cells because that's the only way they could get in and out. Wow. Yeah. That thing actually, they actually, um, if there was a fire or anything like that, they'd be trapped. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if it's the one that you're talking about, but I just saw a video where it's the last rotating jail that actually works. And nowadays, it's so regulated. When they turn it, they have to, you know, do these things. You know, make sure everybody's in the cells, make sure there's no arms, all that. Yeah. Because when they rotated it, the uh, like a lot of the inmates would be drunk or that at the, in the drunk tank would have like an arm out and that's where uh, someone's okay. arm actually got cut off because the, it was a rotating jail. That's interesting. What's the, um, what's the most scariest thing that ever happened to you at any of the haunted locations or, or paranormal investigations uh, you know, you've I don't, done? You've been, you've seen and, and did so many places. I mean, I don't get scared for the most part. You get a little freaked out and I think and I'll lead into this a little bit. Uh, a big, a big shout out to I know Joe knows him, but a big shout out to 
my best friend in the world, Daryl Wisman, getting through his heart surgery, uh, uh, post town surgery. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my favorite place. That's probably where the the, the most freaky thing happened because you know Daryl's been there for eighteen years, so he's like, I can still walk through here in the dark and still move a little bit faster, even though he knows all the stuff there. But we were walking through the hallway one night. Uh, it's pitch black again, no flashlights because we were kind of just trying to figure out where this. It looked like a flashlight just going up down the hallway on the wall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even in pitch black, if you've been in a place enough times, in the dark, you'll eventually know where you're at. Yeah. So if there's steps, you kind of know, okay, you're getting ready to walk up on these steps. You need to watch, you know, where you're walking. And one of the only times I've ever seen anything, we were walking down the smallest hallway in the, the short part of this back hallway. And there's two steps that go down, mm-hmm. and there's a little rail. Well, I felt like I was getting ready to walk in that rail because I'm like, okay, we're coming up on the steps. And again, it's pitch black. So I take a step to the right, like to miss the rail, and I look to the left, thinking he was beside me. And there was a man that was literally glowing in the dark. Oh, wow. And I backed up into the concrete wall, hit my head in the back of the wall, and it's like, what the hell was that? And he was like, are you okay? I'm like, I said, there was a guy standing next to me looking at me. I said, he was glowing in the dark. Hmm. That was probably the, that's probably the, the freakiest thing I've seen. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, we've the only he time was close to me that, he was close enough to me. That I'm like, I'm just like, this is weird. Like, yeah. freaked out. The only time we've Freaky. that I've ever been there is we, there was a, that convention there. So I was there during the day, and I didn't really know much about the place. Yeah. And uh, after hearing about a lot of the stuff that goes on there, I would love to do an investigation there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you let me know because we'll go that that place. And I've been, like I said, I've been a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And for it really not to have any history of any deaths besides a little girl that fell at school and passed away at home. She yeah. passed away at the school. The train crashes that happened back to 30, seven years apart. I mean, it's it still blows my mind. I have these people like, oh, you know, I don't believe in ghosts. Well, come with me one time. I'll show you. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll show you my buddy's school. No, I'm like, well, how do you not believe in it if you don't want to go? Yeah. Because yeah. there's nothing to walk up down the hallway. And hear kids laugh, and you hear the lockers open and shut. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing. See, and that's where, even... that's where I think that, you know, we talk about, you know, why would there be spirits there, especially kids, because they, they, the kids that were there grew up, they didn't die there, that, but I think that their energy is fragmented, and it's not really that they're there, but when they were there, they, a little bit of their energy went off. And almost like Jen said, the stone tape theory a little bit of their energy is left there. And we just see those little bits because we're not seeing, like if you see a little kid there, that kid grew up, has families and all that, but that at post town, it's still a kid, you know? And I they think it's just a fragment. They the happiest time of their lives and that's where they want to be at, yeah. you know? So I won't be back to the happiest time of my life because the kid is cool, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only thing that really freaked me out there was I turned a corner and there was a dog. <laughs> Stuck yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, was it a stuffed coyote or what is it? I don't remember. It was a <laughs> stuffed dog, and it's like I would, yeah. and that that was the time too where I was like, we need a we need a stuffed dog, and I looked on eBay to see if I could find one, and I found a poodle that was taxidermied uh. with metal wheels on its feet, <laughs> and I'm like. Oh, that'd be great to have, and I never got it. And I'm like, why didn't I buy that? But you know, <laughs> well, you know, we used to have the yard sales there at the school during the weekend, like during the day or whatever, on like Sunday. Uh-huh. Somebody took that thing to the yard sale, <laughs> and he fifteen bucks for it. Oh nice. wow! <laughs> it's the guardian of the the spirits. Yeah. The doll room. The doll room is an interesting is That's an interesting weird, yeah. room for school mm-hmm. too. Yeah. There, there's been so many dolls. I've only got one EVP in from the doll room as far as a doll. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, we, we went on a weekend trip. So we went to the 101 in Indiana and then we went mm-hmm. to Bobby Mack just to walk through. And I said, well, let's go check out the school. You know, she'd never been anywhere investigating. She reads a lot of, she watched a lot of podcast stuff, listen, whatever. And we're walking down the hallway and all of a sudden the door alarm goes off downstairs. Oh. So I call him and I've got this on my recorder, me talking to him on the phone. I said, look, I don't know what's going on. The alarm's going off. And he said, well, go down and check it. Just make sure the wind didn't blow the door. Went down there. Door hadn't moved, even though we heard it open and shut. Mm-hmm. And as we're walking down the hallway, you hear a doll. It has to be a doll. Just like, 
Oh. And I'm so I go back and I'm like checking dolls for batteries, checking to see if there's mm-hmm. one of those strings you can pull. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I think of. Like something, something obviously was having fun with us up there because we were by ourselves walking through. So yeah, <laughs> jokester spirits. That's right. The little doll going, ha ha! I tricked you. Uh. <laughs> what we talk about? We talk about spirits and, and being bounced up. Do you think just take just take your house? You, you know, a brand new house. Mm-hmm. Do you think thinking about or talking about spirits or certain spirits, do you think you can make a spirit imprint on a location? I think so. Yeah, for sure. Because we've talked about them before. Like there's a bridge here in town called Gibbs Bridge that, you know, the school bus went over and hit the motorcyclist who hit the bride, who hit the, you know, yeah, lost all that. Head and, you know, but that. none of that is true. But yet there's hauntings there. And I think it's because so many people go there to try to get the ghosts that the spirits will actually come there and they'll manifest like a tulpa, but it's almost like a group tulpa for the bridge. So I believe so. Yeah. It's It's kind of of like, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's always been a thought places I've been to. And again, you don't, you don't know any history. You don't think there's anything going on, but there's obviously stuff going on. So I'm like, so maybe somebody's coming here and imprinting something on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's possible. It's like talking about haunted dolls. How is a doll able to be haunted? Mm-hmm. Is there something physically inside it? Or is there energy around it that just manipulates it? Mm-hmm. Or is that just people wanting it to happen so bad and maybe they see, you know, a doll that, might fall over or something from vibrations from a truck going by. But, you know, it's like, how does it, what is the science behind Mm -hmm. an entity entering a doll and why, why a doll? Yeah. You know, why not a hairbrush? Why not a mirror? Why not a toilet? Haunted toilet. (laughs) Haunted toilet. We need to start a book. We had the most haunted toilet. No, but, well, I'm thinking... My theory on that is a doll, for one, it looks like a human, but also it's relatable mm-hmm. and it's another thing like somebody wishes so much that that doll was haunted that a spirit will come in and occupy that because it gets attention. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do Definitely think? a lot of expensive ones that sell on eBay that everybody swears are haunted. Oh, yeah, yeah. That and, that, and wax, that and wax covered boxes. Right? <laughs> yeah. I might be but, going to Goodwill this weekend. Yes. Let me find something I, I can flip. I saw the flip. most haunted dolls at Goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a uh, raggedy Andy doll at my house that I might have to yeah. to move on. <laughs> if you, bring, you bring that up. Let me ask this question. Because I'm, I'm torn all mm-hmm. the time. Do you think when they do that convention up and the warns and stuff like that, and they take this, this supposedly Annabelle doll out of these holiday ends and stuff. Real, or if it is real, why are they taking it out of the museum to do this? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, you're, and when they uh, moved the doll, they the guy wore welding gloves and everything, but yet they'll bring it and display it at shows. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if it was that, or, and yeah, I'm not or to is say it, it is or isn't, yeah. whatever everybody believes, they believe, but. Uh, just thinking about it is like if it's that dangerous why would you put people in that situation it's like oh i have this pet hornet maybe <laughs> i'll just take it and show everybody right like it could get out and sting everybody yeah i mean i never had a chance to meet lorraine we did a we did a las vegas paracon that she was supposed to have been at quite a few years ago and she broke her hip that weekend uh, so it was the only chance i had a time to meet her but i i still I still think she's probably rolling over in her grave with the things that are going on up there. Just my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You never know. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of controversy in the paranormal. There's a lot of people who, um, a lot of egos. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and how do you decipher what is true evidence and mm-hmm. what is evidence of their own mind and what is just truly faked. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you just have to take everything with a grain of salt. And if someone is claiming to be something that, okay, let's back this up. Let's show me the evidence, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, everybody has their own opinions and everybody has their own beliefs. And 
you know, sometimes people say stuff and they believe it so much that it does become. It does become. Oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> but it does become a self prof- profound or self something. I can't think of what the word is now. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So. I guess I, I, guess I have my own thoughts because I don't know them personally, even though they're from Kentucky. But when it comes to the haunted museum and the traveling. Uh-oh. No. There we go. Is he frozen? I think you're frozen, Jason. Oh, doing ah. so good. No. Come back. Come back, Come Jason. Back to us. The ghosts are. The ghosts mess with Jason. But this is what behind the scenes is like. Right. Um, <laughs> things, some of the issues Real that we have, and that. Happen. But um, yeah. So everybody, we'll give Jason a few minutes here, yeah. or a few seconds, to see if he pops back on. If not, we will continue with him later. We'd um, love to have him back on. Now, I want to hear some more of these stories. Yeah, he's going over to Europe. This is, sounds very interesting. And if you're getting a chance, get a chance to uh, watch this on YouTube and that, you'll see what we're talking about. Jason was talking. Also, he just flipped out. He, which well, he didn't flip out. He just we just lost oh, the connection. We just lost connection. Oh, hi, everybody. He's gone hi. completely. So, anyways, we want to thank Jason for coming on. It was awesome. I'll thank him personally after we do the show. Yep. And great stories. Just interesting. Makes you think. It just makes you want to get out there and travel. Like mm-hmm. he said, take the month, a whole month off, and just go places. Yeah. And do things and experience interesting places and and develop your theories about it. You yeah. know, like. You know, we're not saying one person's opinion's right or wrong. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. And that's the thing is everybody has their own opinions. Everybody has their own beliefs, you know, and everybody just and goes about it. let's just talk about it. Let's debate it. That's I it. I think that's amazing. That's what we're here for. Yep. So everybody, thank you for joining us. We're so glad that you came and, and watched our show and listened to our show. And don't forget that, you know, the 222 Paranormal Podcast is uh, releasing a new show. Every Sunday at 2.22 mm-hmm. in the afternoon, uh, Eastern Standard Time. But you can always go back and listen to all of our 350 plus episodes on whatever podcast outlet that you're uh, downloading or, or listening through. We appreciate you listening. Please share the show with your friends and definitely like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if All you, over. All over. Just come on. And but don't stalk us. We are updating our website <laughs> with some new yes. merch. Yes, yes, yes. We got this. We got the. We got. We got the store going, and uh, love it. Go up on the website. It'll tell you where we're gonna be. We're gonna have new merch merchandise up there and new books and stuff. So we're changing it up a bit. So check it out every chance you get. Go up on our website and, like Jen said, share the show with your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to get the word out. Yeah, and if you have really interesting paranormal stories, it doesn't have to be ghosts. It could be Bigfoot or aliens or any other weirdness. DM us, and we'd love to have you on the show. All right, so thank you for checking us out this week. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll talk to you later. If you're listening to us, we'll talk to you later in your earbuds. But let's leave with some Dead Inside The War. Goodbye, everyone. This is the war inside my head This is the truth that must be said